The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, the Sunday night slash Monday morning version, however, wherever you happen to be living uh, time zone wise. I'm Scott Jensta. Jeff Erickson is out for one more week, so I will not. He'll be back uh, next Sunday, but I'm joined this week by a special guest, uh, Toby, also known as a bat flip crazy on Twitter. Uh, big NFBC player has his own podcast. Also, everybody probably knows who he is. Uh, Toby, thanks for jumping on. I really appreciate it. I think that we've done like live streams together. I don't know if we've ever done like a full podcast. So this should be fun. Totally. Yeah, I think we did like pot palooza together, yeah. something like that. But I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Uh, to be here. And uh, this is a podcast I listen to all the time. And I know people know it as kind of the gold standard in fantasy baseball. So really honored that you uh, invited me, Scott. And I know big, big shoes to fill with that, uh, with Jeff's absence. So I'll do my best. Uh, we'll go, we'll go with medium shoes. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like size I'm, 10, something like that. Oh yeah, there you go. I'm nine and a half. So that's, I kind of put that right okay. in the middle somewhere. So um, I appreciate you wearing the A's hat. That's a good shout right there. I do. You, you're starting not well, so that's good. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, this was very deliberate. Uh, took my, my seven-year-old to his first, game that he could really understand what was happening it was an a's game recently so nice. got this this uh snazzy snazzy gear i like your shirt too i haven't seen that one but that's a i like yeah, it a lot it's like a baseballism or one of the like fancy company shirts but it's a, it's a cool one yeah i took i was gonna say my daughter my daughter's been to a bunch of games because we uh we uh, we know some people and we've uh, we knew uh, Brad Ziegler who uh, pitched for many years. Mm. We so we've been to a couple games and we were. I remember the first game we went to. We were at Petco and Jose Urena came up and gave her a ball and I'm like, you're never gonna top that. You get your you get a ball from your first game and I'm like, oh, it's Jose Urena, so maybe not that great, but you know it works. <laughs> so tell um, her it was somebody different, like somebody a little yeah. bit better. I'll tell her it was Jazz Chisholm because she won't know that the, the dates don't match up. <laughs> we'll be good when he get when he gets in the Hall of Fame. We'll just call it that. It'd be good. So it sounds good. So before we jump into Fab, as we do on Sunday nights, I want to talk a couple of just basic things with you. Some NFBC strategy, kind of look at week 12 a little bit. Um, I think you and I are kind of in the same spot, NFBC-wise. Kind of middling so far, I think. If and Correct me if I'm wrong there, but I think you're like, you know, a lot of fifth and sixth places. And, you know, that's not a horrible spot to be on whatever we are, June 13th. Obviously, you want to be a little better. And I know you've won, what have you won, four or five main events? Uh, I've won, I've won four. I won one right. um, two years ago and then three of the sprint ones. So... Those count as a third of a season. I think I'm at like a total of two. 
That's still that's still hey, any main event league is pretty good. So, but I want to ask you, like you're you're in the middle of the pack right now. How are you kind of figuring out these last two months? Like, what are you? What do you do on a Sunday or a Saturday or Friday? Whatever. I know you, I think you do late Saturday night. What do you do? Um, what do you do to like kind of get figure out a way to gain points in the series? Like, how are you strategizing right now to kind of get back in the mix here? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing I think is important is just to have patience and like to look at. Yeah look at my own players and, and think about like, how do I think they're doing? Is Does it seem like this is a reasonable pace that they have either on the good side or the bad side? Because sometimes like we've seen, like with Ramon Laureano, for instance, earlier this year, he has eight stolen bases in the first week and then he's got none, right? And you guys, you have guys you've been relying on for speed who may have three or four only so far. And so do you feel like that's, there's going to be an uptick there? Yeah. I always take a look at my at the standings, like the league standings before I go into my fab, just to kind of think through, like, are there categories where I'm very behind in that I really need to start working now? Yeah. But generally, I'm, I'm focused more on just getting the best players at this point, unless there's a glaring need that I have. Yeah. Do you do you have any glaring need at this point? Have you found that uh, as you went through draft season, you're, you're really struggling somewhere? Oh, I've got some glaring needs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you and me, you, you and me both. I have a team that uh, that started uh, Luis Castillo, so uh, ratios mm. are a huge need. And Zach Plesac was my third pitcher in that league, so it's uh, mm. you know I, I'm I'm out of one point here. I'm, I'm up to I'm up to like five, and it's been a huge grind to get there. And it feels like it's funny when you're doing well in in pitching, like every, you're like oh, I give up two runs, that's fine. Now when you're doing badly in pitching, like every hit, every run, like feels terrible. Like I had. Antonio Antonio sends a tell today, and like he, he struggled early, and then kind of got it going, and he gave three runs, and all of a sudden he gave two runs in the sixth. I'm like, oh man, those runs are score. those are inherited run score. Then suddenly he gets to five, and it seems like you're going badly. Like all those inherited runs score, it's just maddening. Oh, for sure. That's actually why I go heavy on pitching early on, is just for my own mental health. Like as the season <laughs> yeah. progresses, like making sure that because it's true, earlier on in the season I was really struggling badly. I had. A lot of teams that were like around 400th in the overall for the main event. I have four teams this year, and um, it really does have have a, have an impact on you. It does. Um, it does. And, and, and your perspective, and like you mentioned, it just feels like things snowball. So you start making bad decisions when you're struggling with pitching because you're like, I need to make up all these different categories. For me, it's been it's been the closers. Like I've always been somebody who says, you know, grab guys who are who are solid closers, but kind of middle round closers, you know, the, uh, ironically, the Mark Melanson's of last year or the Brandon Kinsler's of last year, you know, not this year, of course. Um, And it just hasn't worked out for me. And with so many teams now going to the committees, it's just so hard to pick the week to have that guy in there. Like, do I really want to have like a closer by committee guy in there who's going to maybe have three outings? If he's lucky, he's going to get one save. Like, where I could have a starter or a two-star pitcher who can actually help me in those other places. And I've never been able to catch up. I have one league with two. I have one league with seven. I have another league with 11. And I think the most I have in any league is 14. And so I'm really falling behind there. And it's just been really hard to, to catch up. I think I think hidden this year in the, you know, you can find saves on the wire. You can always catch up in saves. The fact that there are all these teams that are losing closers or blazing closers aren't doing it with one guy. They're doing it with committees. They're doing it with like it used to be like you know I've uh, Jonathan Palpel go on and get hurt and I'll or and the, the obvious guy would come in. I forget who it was, but and then uh, you know then Kenny Jansen became closer. We always like knew who the next guy up was, or if there wasn't, at least they put someone in there and they, like even if it wasn't great, he would get save ops. It seems like there's 
you know, six, eight teams now that you're like, well, they, their closers struggling. Like, I'm going to go ahead and find somebody. And then you realize that there's four guys there too. Like, I looked this week at like, you know, Arizona, like Soria blew their one save. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, well, there's nobody there. And then, then, you know, Ian Kennedy got hurt. I'm like, oh, there's nobody there. It's just that next guy up mentality has been gone. And it's, it's hard to catch up when you can't luck into that guy that has 25 saves the last four months. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just been a carousel. It's been like Lucas Sims is the, is the embodiment, uh, embodiment of it where it's like, you drafted him hoping he was the closer. And then like he wasn't initially, so you probably dropped him. Then he became the closer, got two saves one week. Then you pick him up. You have him in your lineup, doesn't get any the next three yep. weeks. Then he gets two the week you drop him. Yep. And it is difficult. And it really like for me at a certain point, I was just like, I'm spending 120 bucks trying to get Hansel Robles. Yeah. And, and what I know deep in my heart is number one, like he's going to like get back to where he was two years ago. But also, like, he's not the solid closer. And so I can't spend that type of money chasing saves in a committee where it's just not going to happen. And so I'm trying to save my resources for when, you know, a guy does come on on the market or when there is a closer or a team that has gone with a steady closer who goes there. But who knows when that's going to happen, you know? Yeah, and I, I hope it comes too because I'm I'm in that boat. Like I had, I started. So I had uh, Ryan Presley and Jake McGee, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm like set. I don't have to worry about anything. And then you know Jake McGee went from nine saves in the first three weeks to not, or, you know one or two since. So it's been it's been tough. But let, let's go on to week twelve. Uh, it's, it's it's a fun week. It's a it's a big week. There's a lot of teams with seven games. We have sixteen teams with seven games. Uh, only one plays five this week, which is always nice. You don't have to worry quite as much about those 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 two those two game half weeks that we deal with in the NFBC. Um, Cores is home all week this week too. They, they face the pod the, the Rockies face the Padres three times. Face the Brewers four times. Who are you? Uh, were they teams you were really looking looking to attack their schedules this week? Obviously, aside from Colorado. Yeah, I mean, I think the Brewers um, were one uh, team that I was really looking um, to to get after. Um, they've got the four games in uh, Colorado um, at the end of the week, and also um, the first three at Cincinnati, which isn't super easy, but um, you know, at least it's not one of one of the more difficult rotations that are out there. And one of the things about them is they don't. You know, any team that has any offensive capability and plays their guys regularly, their guys are going to be snatched up already. So, you know, your Daniel Vogelbox, your Jackie Bradley Juniors, who maybe in a regular week you wouldn't be as interested in. Those were some of the kind of the names that I was looking at this year, just in terms of like what their schedule looked like. Yeah, and obviously San Diego going into Colorado is nice, and they get four against Cincinnati. The Giants are nice, too. The Giants have seven home games, uh, four against Arizona, three against Philly. Like, that's a bunch of pitching you want. But weirdly, the Giants, would they have four runs all weekend or something like that? Like, suddenly they went from hitting all the most home runs in the league and just breaking to the last four games. I think I think uh, Kyle Schwarber out-RBA'd them today over the, against their whole team over the weekend. So it was, a, it was a weird weekend where they actually split their series with Washington but scored, like, I think it was, I think it was four runs total across four games. Yeah, and making Joe Ross look like you I know. know a son. Nice, who needs, nice who needs Mac, Max Scherzer when you have yeah. Joe Ross? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's tough. But even with the Giants, you know, it's like they mix and match so much. And sometimes it's really clear based on the platoon. But then other times it's like they're just kind of they're just going with the flow. So um, it's always fun. But uh, definitely, um, I think this week, like you mentioned, because there wasn't as many five game weeks. Yeah. It felt like offensively, you know, there's some potential on the wire. 
Yeah, I mean, at Toronto, Toronto's going to go play uh, in Buffalo a little bit, which has been good. They have three at Camden also, which is a great place to hit. I, the problem with Toronto is all their players are picked up anyway. There's really Unless you're going to go for like a Reese McGuire or pick up Riley Adams as a catcher two or something like that, you're not really going to get much from Toronto. But uh, after they scored 18 runs today, I think it's pretty clear that uh, this, this offense might be the best in the league. Yeah, there's a guy named Vlad Guerrero Jr. Who, who's pretty decent. I, 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 I wasn't, I wasn't going to bring him up the whole time. <laughs> I made a promise. I was going no Vlad Guerrero jokes the whole time. It, it's 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 got to be in there. It's got to be in there. It's a shtick at this point. So uh, I'm, 20, I'm, I'm rolling. Twenty one bombs, my god! I mean, and, and uh, as much as people give you crap for that, like nobody saw twenty one home runs on June thirteenth either. So it's uh, it's uh, it's crazy. I mean, I, I think that uh, I think we all knew that there was a a, fli- a switch to be flipped at some point. And I, I you know I looked at I, I obviously listened to your podcast with uh, with Bubba and kind of as you guys walked through that, and a lot of it made a lot of sense. And at some point, you know, you have to make good decisions and. In those decisions, based on research and reason, and you know, having having a reason for everything, you're going to have some that miss, and you know, I, I think we all we all have some of those, and the, they're never fun when they do. I, I was a fade on Shane Bieber last year, so uh, mm-hmm. I, I feel you. It's uh, when you when you do fades and targets and all that kind of stuff, you're going to miss some because if you don't, that means you're not taking you know kind of strong enough stances, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm I'm trying to have fun with it, you know. Yeah, for sure. I think I think um, you know I had a reason for like not liking Vlad coming into the year, like you mentioned, but. It's funny because we always like to talk about the guys. Like I have gifts for every time Eddie Rosario hits a home run or <laughs> yep. whatever, right? I mean, at some point, right, we also have to own own it yeah. when we make a mistake. And for we sure. never want to do that. And and we, it sucks for the people who listen to us, right? And and if they took that to heart and didn't draft him. But hopefully there's other guys like, you know, Marcus Semyon, for instance, who, yeah. you know, is a guy from that team that I have a lot of and, and those are. The, I'm hoping that when I look at the box score, that I see him as the guy who hit the home run, yeah. and not necessarily Vlad Jr. But it oh was well. nice. It was nice that our our long lost cousin Tioscar hit two bombs for us today. No, no, we're doing a podcast together. It was nice of him to uh, celebrate that occasion for us. Oh, absolutely. He knew it was happening. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure he's listening. He's probably watching right now. So shout out to Tioscar. Mm-hmm. Um, so let, let's jump into some fab. It felt to me like a week that there was some interesting pitching out there. There was very little hitting, uh, but we will we will bring up a few names that uh, I thought were mildly interesting. But let's start with the pitching. Um, starting in the Bay Area, kind of close to where you are, Sammy Long in San Francisco had a really good debut. Uh, he kind of piggybacked on, on top of the opener, had four innings, seven strikeouts, only gave one hit, one on run, one walk. Looked really good doing so. Uh, weirdly, not like a huge prospect. I think it was like an 18th rounder. He was actually a free agent in the offseason. The Giants just picked him up. Um, the, the, the interesting thing with him, you look at 2019 with the White Sox in single A, he was really good. 3.06 ERA, 97 innings, a 29% strikeout rate. Like this guy had some good stuff. And I don't know if all the COVID last year, maybe he just didn't get to an alternate site, didn't work out. But, um, you know, Farhan's doing a good job with the Giants. Where were you on Sammy Long? I saw the bids kind of all over the place in different leagues. I saw, I saw him over 100. I saw him in the teens. Uh, where were you on Sam Long? Yeah, you know, I wasn't very aggressive. Uh, I think my bids uh, were the ones, the ones like I really looked at as a, as a week where I was trying to conserve fab. So I wasn't super aggressive where I needed pitching. I think mine were in the low 20 range, like $22 or something like that for long. I mean, he looked really good, obviously, yeah. with the seven strikeouts. You know, obviously, like and it's so hard with one game, right? Talking about regression, but right. like his Babbitt was like 100. Yeah. But what I really liked when I dug in is like the slider looked really good and it was getting a lot of kind of the publicity, but his changeup also did really well there. So, you know, whether he's going to be successful in the zone and how, how guys adjust, you know, to him in the big leagues, I think is going to be the real question for him. But there's certainly upside, like you mentioned, and even in the recent minor league history, like 
this year, the strikeout weight rate was really high as well. So, and the, and the projections actually seem to like him a decent amount. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I kind of hope they use him as uh, like right after a first inning opener. There was some talk from the Giants like we'd like to get the, you know someone to the top three hitters and then kind of let him go just because I think the pitch count is going to be limited. He hasn't he's thrown five starts this year, four in the minors, one in the one in the majors if you count the uh, the, the piggyback start. But uh, he hasn't topped sixty nine pitches yet. I think he threw like sixty two or sixty three in, in the first start. So I think that they, there was a quote from Capital saying we want to get him stretched out, we want to get him a little more. But I, I still think like. 80, 85 pitches, probably the most we see at least for the next three or four starts, which makes it really tough to get wins unless, of course, you come in in the, in the second inning and you can pitch four innings and get wins. So um, I was mildly aggressive just because I have a couple leagues where, you know, anything, any, any pitcher with an upside pulse is pretty interesting to me. Um, I got outbid in one league. He went for like 138 in one of my mains, and I got him for 57 in the other one. The back of it was 52. So I was like – I mean, I guess nice. I, I guess that I guess it's the right bid, and who knows if it's the right player. But uh, yeah, mildly interesting, and I think that uh, we it's been a weird year for picking up pitchers on the wire. We had you know we we had we had pitchers that rookies that have gotten smoked. Logan Gilbert came up and looked bad, looked good today though. Looked pretty, pretty, mm-hmm. maybe he's coming around a little bit. But it leads me into our next guy. Did you bid at all on, on Jackson Coar in Kansas City? I think a week ago, if he had been available, there would have been some big bids on this guy. He was dominating AAA, uh, came up and just got smoked twice. The A's uh, the A's beat him around uh, th- this weekend. He got smoked early in the week. He threw 97 pitches this week, Toby, and got six outs. Like, that's almost, like, impossible to do. Like, that's really, really hard to throw that many pitches over two innings. Uh, 36 ERA, one strikeout, five walks. Did you jump in on him? The hard part is he faces Boston and then the Yankees the next two weeks. So even if you, like, think maybe he just kind of had to get the nerves out, like, how do you throw him in those two starts? Yeah, you know, I was I was diving into the skills, and I saw the negative 23%. K minus walk rate. And I just said, uh, I'm good. I'm going to pass. I mean, obviously people were really, really excited about him, yeah. you know, coming up, he pitched great in the minors. We've seen guys turn it around. You mentioned Logan Gilbert. It doesn't always happen overnight, yeah. but what I'm generally looking for is like some pulse of skills where I can be like, you know, Oh, like whether it was the swinging strike rate was really nice, but the strikeouts didn't happen. Or, you know, he had a 600 Babbitt, which he does. But there was really, there's really nothing you can point yeah. to. I mean, when you dive in, like, I think the four seam had like a one percent swinging strike rate. The it, was, it, was all, it was only three percent total, so yeah, that sounds about yeah. right. And the changeup, which is supposed to be kind of his bread and butter pitch, had like a six percent swinging strike rate. So like, I need to have something to latch onto um, and to put my put my hope on. And um, and I couldn't find anything, so I, I wasn't in on him. But you know, would we be surprised in three or four weeks if he's you know, another guy who's 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 hot on the waiver wire. I, I certainly wouldn't be. You never know with these rookies, like, you know, one adjustment here or there in either direction, and, and it can make or break them. Yeah, it was tough. I think I probably would have been – he's in my conditionals. I was one of those, like, you know, I have a drop. Maybe I'll grab him for three bucks and, and watch the next two starts. But with Boston and New York and the injuries you have on benches, it was just – it was really hard to grab knowing that you, there's no way you're throwing – I mean – the Yankees offense hasn't been good, but I, I just can't see going into Yankee Stadium and, th- and throwing him right now. Even if he pitches decently against Boston, it just seems uh, seems tough. I hope it works. I mean, the, Daniel Lynch didn't work when he came up, and you got these Kansas City pitchers that like everybody's really high on. You want to see uh, you want to see rookie pitchers work, but uh, it's been it's been an ugly rookie pitcher year so far. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah it, Shane, Shane McClanahan's been good, but you know it's been uh, it's been it's been uh, few and far between. Yeah, yeah, I, I was fortunate. That's the one guy that I've kind of bid hard on. Nice. Um, and, and one thing I think is helpful is kind of looking at the projections and what they what they kind of see in players, because I think that's one thing with Long that was really interesting is generally the projections are very pessimistic on rookies. So when you see them coming in and the projections are at 
like a three, five ERA, something around there. I always kind of take a, a, a little bit more notice of them. Yeah, no, and it's funny because McClanahan, like he had that first one happen to be against the A's and I, I was watching and I was like, oh my God, like this, you're like, he's throwing 102 with some tail and he throws that slider. You're like, oh, it's actually like he passes the eye test. So let me look deeper. So I did kind of the same thing. I was pretty, I was, I think I got him in one or two spots, but I was pr- maybe not aggressive enough, but you know, you still look and it's still, ERA is still four and a half. Like it's not I like, know, he's, yeah. I mean, he's looked good. Yeah, he's looked good. He's had some good outings, but like you, you still look at, you throwing him every start except for the first one. You're still he's not really helping you all that much. He has he has two wins. Uh, he does have a bunch of strikeouts. He's helping you there, but he's not throwing a ton of innings, so the bulk's not really there. So as good as he's been, it's like fantasy wise into what we gotta think about. It's it hasn't been great either. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's given up one too many home runs uh, for me. It's like every every couple pitches, it seems like. Yeah. Um, a guy that was interesting this week, based on his last two outings, was, was Patrick Sandoval. Um, he had a huge, I guess, a huge week if you want to go Sunday to Sunday. He had two starts last Sunday against Seattle. He had six innings, ten strikeouts in that game. Today he pitched against Arizona. Obviously a good matchup, but he was six innings, two earned runs, four strikeouts. He was someone that, I, as I looked into, like he was, I was mildly interesting. I think I was interested in him two years ago when he got called up. He's kind of has some stuff, but you know, didn't throw really deep into games. The Angels are kind of using him as like a, a guy after an opener, that sort of thing too. But uh, velocity's up a little bit. What I liked. With him is he's throwing more changeups. He's throwing 13% more changeups. He has a 57% whiff rate on that pitch right now. The pitch has been really nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, swing strike rate coming in today was 17.8%. And the last two years it was 13%. So this is a guy that gets gets swings and misses, and maybe is a maybe he's a pitch mix better right now. Uh, where were you on Sandoval coming into this week with bids? Yeah, you know, I wasn't I wasn't super aggressive again, but it's more kind of a, a result of where some of my pitching staffs are, yeah. thankfully, or or the need for more uh, offense uh, in a lot of cases, yeah. or 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 just for the twelfth consecutive week, just bidding on uh, closer speculation. Right. You know, do you think you think, Sandoval, you think Sandoval sticks though? Do you think this is like uh, I mean they're they're probably going six man, so they got a lot of room there. But do you do you like him going forward, even if you, even if you didn't need him this week? Yeah, I think of all of all the pitchers going this week, he was the most interesting. You mentioned the changeup, thirty percent swinging strike rate, so that's something that you can latch on to. He also generates a ton of ground balls, um, which is which is really nice. So he checks a lot of the boxes that you're looking for. Obviously, the control has been. Uh, a pretty big issue for him throughout his short career. Um, and I imagine that it will continue to be an issue. So I think he's susceptible to those blowups, but any pitcher that you're getting off of the waiver wire is going to do that. And I think he has the upside uh, that you talked about a little bit that, that, that is more encouraging and gives you a little bit more hope whenever you pick up a guy on the waiver wire. Yeah, and I feel like if you're going to pitch somewhere, the AL West is not a bad place to pitch. You probably just want to avoid Houston, maybe a little bit of Oakland. But, you know, I think that, you know, Oakland has their – is kind of streaky. Um, they end up pretty good at the end of the year offense-wise, but they always have some streaks. But Houston's like the only team you really want to avoid in that spot, especially a lefty going into Houston. You don't want that. But um, I think he's a guy – he faces Detroit this week. So where I got him, I'm going to be throwing him, and uh, I think we'll kind of see what we get. Uh, what about two-step guys this week? Uh, guys with two starts. Uh uh, Tyler Anderson, Vladimir Gutierrez, um, everybody's favorite, John Lester. Was there anybody with two starts that you were kind of trying to sneak through at cheap price, hoping maybe to get some strikeouts and wins this week? Not not really. Um, yeah, I think with with uh, Ty Anderson, I mean, he was interest, He was really interesting earlier on this year. Agreed. One thing I've noticed is as the season has progressed, the skills have really deteriorated a lot. His, his velocity is down just a little bit, but from like 91 to 90. He's had a little bit of a pitch mix change um, where I think it's his changeup that he's throwing a little bit less. Uh, so I just, I, I'm, I'm, I was in on him earlier on in the year, but I've kind of moved on and, and I'm not as interested. 
Uh, Gutierrez is just, I think, a disaster waiting to happen if you look at kind of, you know, the regression numbers there when it comes to BABIP and the fact that he really doesn't have any skills that jump out of you. Like he's not getting strikeouts. He's walking guys at a decent clip. And so I think that one is going to be a really tough one. John Lester was actually really interesting because just out of hand, I kind of was like, I'm not going with John Lester. (laughs) But if you look at his last five starts, like a lot of the metrics that I pay attention to and care about, like in zone contact rate and swinging strike rate, uh, chase rate, like O swing on fan graphs, they're all headed in a really good direction. And he's throwing the fastball less. He's throwing the changeup a lot more. Um, and he's throwing the cutter instead of his fastball as well. And so he's still John Lester and he's still not good. And I still didn't pick him up and I'm still not playing him, but I can see like a little glimmer of hope there maybe as to why, like, cause I think a lot of times you have to look for like, why do I start him? I think the challenge with him is like, if you, if you get 10 innings out of him, like you're probably getting six strikeouts, which you might be able to get with a bullpen arm. And, and so it's just really challenging to throw a low K guy like that out there, even if he's got the two step, which is a nice one this week. Yeah, the only the only reason I was mildly interested in Lester, I didn't end up doing it was is Pittsburgh and the Mets, and you know the Mets are still pretty banged up with some injuries and stuff. Although some guys are coming back, but I think you should probably sneak in before all the guys do. And you know, swinging strike rates up ten to ten point seven percent, which kind of surprised me too. Even though his velocity is down to eighty eight, so there's a bit, you got to figure the no that the Cubs offense should be able to score on Pittsburgh. So if he throws five innings, good chance at a win, which are really hard to get this year. I've got a couple teams that you know wins are just desperate. It seems like every time mm-hmm. I get a, a four two lead, the closer end up coming and blowing the save. It's just one of those one of those things. Whenever you get a, a, win, a bad win season, those things tend to happen. Uh, our friend Justin Mason commented, he, he's talking about Cal, Cal Quantill and Jake Arietta. I'm going to go ahead and pass on both of those. Um, I, I go with I go with hashtag never Arietta at this point. It's just I can't, <laughs> something, something I can't do. Uh, what about what about Tucker Davidson uh, in Atlanta? Has been uh, good through his first three starts, 17.2 innings, uh, 1.5 ERA. He's really good in AAA in his three starts there before he got called up, 0.9 ERA, uh, 32% K rate. Uh, the matchups are tough. He's got Boston and St. Louis this week, so not ideal there. But uh, how are you uh, on Davidson? I tried to pick him up last week. I actually got outbid. I was a little disappointed because he pitched well again this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I think of a lot of the pitchers that we've talked about, Davidson is one of the better bets. And that, yeah. that I think, is because of his slider. His slider has been really good, uh, 20% plus uh, swinging strike rate on that pitch. He throws it as a, at a decent clip. I think the challenge with – so many guys is, you know, the fastball and whether that's going to be able to play because it hasn't been a pitch that, um, you know, that's really been able to get outs or swings and misses for him at all. So we'll see if he faces a good right-handed lineup, you know, and, and you mentioned Boston and you mentioned St. Louis. Uh, I know St. Louis at least uh, like last week were one of the best lineups against left-handed pitchers. I'm not sure whether that's changed or not, but those types of matchups scare me away, um, especially since he's only really been going five innings too. Uh, yeah. in his starts. So again, you know, I think he's solid as it comes to, like as compared to a lot of folks on the on the wire and worth a shot, but he was also gone in all my leagues like you mentioned too. So he's only available in 12s and there were some other guys that I liked a little bit more there. I want to talk uh, real quick about some closers, but first a note from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Toby, we talked about uh, we talked about closers earlier. I didn't feel like this is really a, a week to find anyone that was going to luck into some saves week. I mean, we got uh, Joaquin Soria. The, the Diamondbacks finally had a game they could win. And crazy, by the way, they've lost 19 straight games on the road, which just seems almost impossible. They are so bad, but they had a chance to win a game uh, the other night. He blew the save. Um, it was it was a rough outing. He gave up three runs, and they they, they lost that game. Um, Stefan Crichton has not been good. Is there anybody in this bullpen that you're remotely interested in, in rostering? If uh, if I'm just going to put it bluntly, honestly, honestly, no. I had uh, I had Crichton for probably four or five weeks, just waiting for that next save opportunity. I think they've had right. one, yeah, like before that Soria one in the last month or something yeah. of that. They're just they're just really not good pitchers, and there's re- it's really hard to see anything. So even as somebody who's desperate for closers. The combination of the situation and the lack of skill in the bullpen just left me uninterested. Yeah, Crichton's ERA is four eight. Story is at six, and I, you know, I I looked at him last year. He was on the A's last year. He just couldn't. He just walking guys. And just not someone I want coming in ninth inning of games. And I just I stayed away there too. Ian Kennedy went on the IL. Sounds like it's uh, he's going to be back this week. So I kind of didn't go very aggressive with the Rangers bullpen just because it sounds like uh, Kennedy might be back on Wednesday or Thursday. Was there anybody here you like? Uh, some people like Demarcus and Ev- Evans. Uh, some other names there. Is there anybody that you uh, were remotely interested in in, in, in Texas at all? Actually, I, I ended up getting a, I don't know how you say his last name, but Spores. spores? Uh, that's how I was going to go. But what I did was I didn't say it, so you'd have to say it first. Yeah. Okay. There you go. There's a reason I've Marcus Evans. <laughs> there's a reason I've done this for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with Spores, I actually I was surprised. I ended up getting him in like probably four or five leagues. Um, you know, for three dollars, seven dollars. Just as a speculation, I mean, Kennedy's obviously, it sounds like he's coming back. It's his hamstring. Um, I do think that Spores, that bullpen is actually has some decent arms. There's yeah, Spores, do. there's Evans you mentioned, there's Jolie Rodriguez, although he yeah. struggled a little bit recently. But I dug into Spores, I was actually incredibly impressed. When you look at the repertoire, he's got a couple really good pitches. His K rate, his K minus walk rate is like 25%. I don't know if that's over the course of the full year, but at least recently, like in his last 10. His velocity is the best in that bullpen as well. And so I kind of just took a stab at him. I'm actually not going to put him in lineups this week because they've only got the five games, two against Houston. So I don't think I'm going to get opportunities. But with Kennedy probably being an arm that gets moved at the deadline, I kind of want to see how it plays out. He may be a guy that I hold on for a little while. And with only like three three to $7 invested on him, I, I feel okay about it. Yeah, I looked at his 2019 in, in AAA with the Dodgers, and I, I came away impressed too. Just a 31% strikeout guy, like he just he get he punches guys out, and um, he was the one guy that I had a couple of bids on, kind of down the line. Um, I, the five games really messed me up this week, though, because I want if I if I wanted to use him, I wanted to use him this week. I was hoping they had seven, so at least they get maybe four or five games before Kennedy, and maybe Kennedy comes in and 
doesn't close the first time and that kind of thing. So I was hoping to get like, you know, four or five games of, you know, Kennedy, not the closer, but the five game schedule really messed me up there. So I kind of pulled back a little bit, but I think that makes sense. I mean, they, a Kennedy, it's a, it's a hamstring. Like he could tweak that pretty easily and B you're right. They're going to move him at some point. It's uh, you know, I don't know if you can hold till the end of July, mm-hmm. but maybe, maybe they move him earlier, but uh, yeah, I was, I was, uh, I thought sports was the best option there too. Uh, what about Detroit? Um, Jose Cisnero is an interesting arm right now. Uh, pitching really well, 3.7 ERA, 26 innings, 30% strike ERA. He was really good in 2020 in the short season. Uh, 3.03 ERA in 29 and two-thirds, 28% strikeout rate. Um, used to have a bunch of walk issues. It seems like we've been a little bit better the last couple of years. I know he's kind of splitting with Gregory Soto, but it seems like they've kind of lined Cisnero up when they do get some save ops. Uh, did you, were you any, any, interest, any interest in the Tiger situation? Yeah, I actually got him in a few places, like low $20 bids. Yeah. I actually have Soto in quite a few places. He's a guy that I picked up recently, just hoping to get lucky. Um, I dove into Cisnero. I actually didn't do it before I ran Fab, just because he was kind of <laughs> looked like the closer. Yeah. I did it in preparation for the show, and I was like, there you uh-oh. Go. He's actually gotten much worse recently. Um, <laughs> the results have been fine, yeah. but like he's throwing his sinker more, and like everything is kind of cratering. I actually like Soto a lot. Like if you look at Soto's recent um, game log, he's been much better. The walk issues haven't been as big and he's actually been I- improving. His velocity is up to, I think, not, uh, above 98 at this point on average with his sinker. Um, he's throwing the slider more. So his skills in the last like 10 games or so have been really strong. So I actually have both of them on a few teams and I'm just hoping again, like, it's such a terrible strategy, but at this point I'm so desperate. I'm just like, I'm going to keep both and I'm going to lean Cisnero right now and have him in there if I need him or else have like, you know, eight starting pitchers if I can do that too. And then see what kind of shakes out and hopefully they go with one guy consistently because it did feel like they wanted it to be Soto earlier this year and he just wasn't able to do it. Yeah. Every time I look at him, I see the walk rates and it kind of freaks me out, but you're right. If you look at his, like his last, you know, like 15, yeah, like 13 to 15 outings, the, the walks have been way less. Rigid. He had a, a bunch of outings where he walked at least one guy, two guys, or just walking guys every outing. It seems like he has gotten a little better. Um, I do think it's Cisnero maybe for right now. I think it's Soto for the long term. So I kind of agree with you there. I think that uh, if I had to play one this week, it'd be Cisnero with the thought that I'd probably want to play Soto the second half of the season. It's probably what's going to come down to me. Totally. Let's talk about some offense. Uh, sticking in Detroit, uh, they called up Daz Cameron. Any interest uh, here? Kind of a speed power combo guy. 2019, he had 13 home runs, seven stolen bases. As I look deeper, I got less interested. He hit 214 in 2019. Huge K rate. I just think guys like this, you sometimes can luck into like, uh, you know, just uh, some home runs and stolen bases. He already, he already has, I think he already has one of each, but he's he's one of 14 so far. So um, as, I, as I looked into Daz Cameron, I got less interested. But did you have any interest there? Yeah, you know, he hit that home run off of uh, Liam Hendricks and ruined my Lucas Giolito uh, win in like. <laughs> so, so you already, you already just like him. <laughs> so I'm already off the table. No, I had some smaller bids in places where I needed stolen bases just because I know the Tigers like to steal. Yeah. He's young. He's kind of got prospect pedigree. He seems to be a part of their future, at least somebody that they want to find out whether he's a part of their future or not. Um, and he's been in the lineup the last couple of days. I think he even hit second or lead off, uh, probably second since Grossman's kind of lead off now today. So I had a couple of small bids, like $3 bids on the pretty far down on the conditional list. So a little bit of interest just because of that speed power combo. But yeah, like you mentioned, the K rate has been high. Um, the chase rate is really high, 40%, doesn't walk. So it's just hard to see it uh, happening for him. 
Yeah, so in the same vein, the guy who I was a little more interested in today was uh, was Jake Fraley in Seattle. Um, another guy that I think, you know, who knows what's going to get, but he a speed power guy he had uh, in 2019 had 19 home runs and 22 stolen bases across a double a AA and triple a hit over 290 in that stretch too so like you know showed some good stuff he's 26 so like if it's gonna happen it's gonna happen now what i do like with him is he doesn't he's not a big strikeout guy he's had some strikeout issues in the majors but like very small samples but he's like a low 20 to high teen strikeout guy in the mine in the minors across his history and then this year he's about uh, he's at 21 he struck out a couple times today so he's at 22 percent but a guy who doesn't strike out a ton and the playing time should be there when you know jared kelnick got sent down kyle lewis is out long term you know if he can hit it all at least there's kind of a runway of playing time in seattle where a lot of these guys we talk about picking up you know we got platoons we got you know a couple bad games maybe they're out of it but it felt to me like fraley um, at least has the playing time locked in right now yeah I, I really like fraley i was actually kicking myself i had him in a couple um bids last week because i think oh, he nice. started playing over the weekend yeah. and he hit a couple home run maybe one or two home runs and stole a base or or vice versa and I had him up there and I bumped him down a little bit. And then I saw him this week just going off, you yeah. know? Um, and it's one of those things where I'm in a league with Casey Chaw and I saw him bid for him last week. And of I was just like, oh no, I've made a terrible mistake. I bumped <laughs> those down. But yeah, I agree. I mean, if you look at him, one of the things that I love is the play discipline. At least so far this year, his O swing is 14.1%. He's got an over 20% walk rate. He's not going to maintain that, but a guy with speed, especially on the Mariners, one of the teams yep. that steals the most, very aggressive on the bases, even when it's, uh, you know, today, um, Dylan Moore stole, tried to steal second with a runner on third and less than two outs and got caught. You know, I was like, ah, probably not the best idea, but they're super aggressive. So I like him a lot. He hit a home run off of Bieber today. Yeah, I'm one of his, uh, his hanging curveballs that just yeah. did not look great. So that, yeah, when, when your ball when your ball doesn't spin quite as much, it uh, hangs a little bit more. It's uh, uh, it's that's, something that's there. Stuff is nice, yeah, right? No doubt, right? Yeah. Oh gosh, some of those pitches from him was just yikes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I really liked Fraley a lot. I wasn't super aggressive again because it wasn't like a need. But he was one of the guys that I had. He was one of the few hitters that I had above ten dollars uh, on some of my bids that I had. I didn't get him because I think people were a lot more aggressive with him that needed speed. Um, so, but yeah, I, I really like him for the reasons you, you articulated. Yeah. He went, uh, in the, I think he was taken in one of my mains. The other one, he went for 67 bucks. So he was, uh, he was popular. Um, so that was the league. Sam Long went for 139. So clearly that's a pretty aggressive, uh, main event there. For sure. uh, I'm going to ask you a question that you weren't prepped for. Do you know who Bailey Ober is? Cause he went for 40 bucks in my main event. I do know who Bailey Ober is for Minnesota. I was interested because I, um, I took a look at his, I looked, I think he struck out nine or eight. Um, in one of his recent starts, he had seven against Houston. So yeah, he had seven against Houston. Yeah. That's what yeah. it was. So whenever somebody does something like that, right. I kind of, I kind of pay a little bit more attention, but then I dug in, you know, and the swinging strike rates below 10%, uh, his end zone contact is around 90%. So like elite against, uh, he does get chases out on pitches outside the zone. So the walks won't be too bad. But I just saw that and I just said, you know, like if a guy, you know, it's one thing when a guy strikes out seven in, a, in, a, in an outing, but if I don't necessarily see the skills to underlie that, anything's possible in a small sample. Yeah. I just didn't see it necessarily. Uh, he didn't really pique my interest. Yeah, it seems like he doesn't walk anyone, but maybe in the zone a little too much like you were like you were saying there. I was, I was a little surprised he went for 40 bucks in my main. I did not think he was going to be quite that aggressively bid upon, but... 
Um, other hitters, um, any any Albert, any Albert Pujols biz this week? Max Muncy is on the IL. Pujols is hitting uh, 246 with five home runs with the Dodgers somehow in 61 at-bats. I just I couldn't get myself to do it. No, I mean, if I if I had a dollar, though, for every time Pujols had been at the bottom of a conditional list this year, like, <laughs> yeah, no I could fill, like, backfill a lot of my fab. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's so hard to figure out playing time um, with the Dodgers. You know, even when there are – it's amazing. Even when there are major injuries, you know, like Muncy goes down, you yep. just look and it's like, well, just Taylor Taylor goes over to short and Lux goes to second. So there's just not a lot of um, – uh, it's just hard to kind of bet on him. And then when you look at it, the batting average is going to be really yeah. bad. We know it's been bad for a while. And so, you're, yeah, you might get a home run here or there, but he's also kind of overproducing a little bit. So I think there's some regression coming for him as well. Was there anybody else that you were, uh, you know, really interested in or bidding in a lot of leagues that we haven't mentioned? It seemed like uh, it seemed like it was a tough week in offense. I kind of looked at Luke Williams. I looked at Jonathan Daza with the the Coors home week, and you know, it just it's one home run and two stolen bases. So you're hoping for batting average, which you know, seven seven Coors games. I have no problem picking that up. But was there anybody that you were anybody else that we haven't mentioned that you were really uh, looking at a lot? You know, I picked up um, quite a few shares of Daniel Vogelbach this week. Oh, all right, um, going into Coors, yep. The Brewers uh, going into Coors. He's got the four games. He's got the three against Cincinnati. I want to say the three against um, – I want to say that three of the four for the first half of the week are against righties, so he should be in the lineup hitting second. And then for the second part of that week, I think he's got um, – uh, I think he's got all three are against righty or two of three are against uh, against righty. So you should get plenty of plate appearances. We know about the power. It's Coors Field, um, you know, so I'll take my shot with that just as kind of a util or, or, a, or a corner guy. Also a bit on Isaac uh, Paredes of the Tigers yep. um, one time. Um, you know, he's got the plate skills. It's just a matter of whether he can put that quality of contact to work, has some prospect pedigree, seems to be playing every day with the Tigers and they're going to give him some run as well. So, and third base is, is, is rough right now. So every time I look at third base, every time I look at third base and free agency, I cannot even find anybody to write down on my sheet. It's so bad. I don't know why it is every week. It's like, Oh, there's Kelvin Gutierrez and like nothing else. <laughs> yes. Gutierrez just like, he's just ever present on the wire. Yep. And you're like, he always leads in at bats. Yep. Every time but I still can't make myself nope. do it. I still can't do it. No, I can't either. Uh, you're right. Vogelbach is uh, a really good one. He has six of seven righties. So you're all right. It's uh, Gutierrez Castillo and Molly. And then he gets, uh, then he gets three out of four in Colorado. He gets Marquez, Senzatella and Gray. If he comes back and then uh, he Gomber's the only lefty he faces the whole time. So he's going to play six games and hitting second in those in good parks. And against, I mean, Depends what you think of Luis Castillo right now, but no, nobody there you're really worried about facing by any means. I've got Castillo in two places. So every time I, I listen to the pod and I hear you guys talking about Castillo, it, it hurts. You know, breaks a little bit more of my heart. Yeah, and the hard part is, and I've said it before, the hard part is like every single guy around there is dealing. Like Walker Bueller threw a shutout today, and like Woodruff's been great, and obviously Corbin Burns has been great. Like everybody I could have taken instead. If I just like, and it was like it was kind of a toss-up call. I'm like, you know, I like him. I thought Castillo was really safe, which obviously has not been the case, but. Any but any other decision would have worked out great. So it's uh it's been tough, but uh been a little better the last like three or four starts. Yeah, the rain delay last start that was uh, was kind of frustrating. But uh, I'm hoping we get something there. So were there any catchers you were thought about at all? Like Max Stassi was kind of the only guy in in twelve teamers I thought was interesting. But like I looked and I kind of picked up a couple of the Colorado guys. I picked up either Dom Nunes or Elias Diaz with the seven home games. But that just in spots where I had like Jose Trevino or someone else that was just not going to play very much. Yeah, I, I had one. Uh, I had one place where I needed a catcher. I had Danny Jansen on the on the IL. 
And so I picked up Elias Diaz. Uh, yeah, Dom man. Nunez wasn't available, but he's going to yeah, play. He'll, he'll play, play three, three or four. Yeah. Um, so let's jump into some news and notes. I'll get through this pretty quick. There's some players at the end here I want to talk about. But uh, a little bit of a scare with Ronald Acuna today. He left the game. He was kind of talking to the trainer. They said it's right pectoral tightness. Sounds like it's precautionary more than anything. Some good news there. Uh, Friday night was wild. We had Jacob DeGrom uh, deal and then get, then leave injured. And then Max Scherzer came out, threw 12 pitches, and then couldn't uh, couldn't make a start. It seemed like we were looking for like a really bad frightened injuries. Sounds like both guys are trying to make their next start. Do you throw both of them this week with what we know right now? Um, I think you, I think you probably do. I mean, just given what your alternatives are, at least in 15 team leagues Yeah. with DeGrom. I mean, it was so fascinating to hear him talk about it, about how he wasn't worried because he's felt what it feels yeah. like to have a severe injury there. Yeah. And this wasn't it, which is just like remarkable to me. Like, you know, he's, he's probably like gone and gotten like a doc, you know, like he's become a doctor somewhere just so right. he doesn't have to listen to the Mets training staff. Uh, so yes on the Grom, I think yes on Scherzer as well. Um, you know, as long as as long as it's looking positive, and it depends on what your possibilities. But I, I think he's supposed to go against Pittsburgh. Yeah. So it's really hard. It's really hard to pass that up, and it'll be painful if he does have to pass it up. Yeah, and the only really good thing is both of them throw in the front half of the week. So like, if they get the like, I'm almost ready, but I need like two days. At least they're going to throw this week too. Whereas if they, if they were throwing Saturday or Sunday, I'd be a little more worried about like if they get pushed back, then you get a zero for the week. But I think I think they're just so elite that you got to throw them too. But yeah, Degrom talking about his elbow was interesting. Like you and I, like be like, oh my elbow hurts, and he was like <laughs> within a millimeter of where it hurts in the back or front. It was it was pretty fascinating to hear him talk about that. Uh, we mentioned Max Muncy went on the 10 day aisle with the right oblique strain. It seems like everybody has oblique strains; they never are short term so that's uh definitely not good there and he'd been on fire two months he'd been really good like the last six weeks he'd been huge uh cody bellinger was supposed to play today sat again this has been a weird year for bellinger because you can't seem to get on the field yeah it definitely has what a bummer too it was such kind of late breaking news you know for his the severity of his injury coming into the season um yeah it's tough so you just gotta you just gotta kind of hope i i do love the cody bellinger gifts though that we've been that we've been given, yeah. you know, where it's just yep. like staring off into space, just yeah. looking at the stars. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah, um, Luis Severino was it was a tough one. He had an injury uh, during his rehab outing. It did not look good. They had to be like helped off the field, uh, groin injury, having an MRI Monday. So if you were stashing Luis Severino, I think it's time to unstash. Yeah, and that's what's so difficult. Like even with with him and with Syndergaard, you yeah. know. Even the best case scenario, you know, it oftentimes doesn't happen. And so folks who have been stashing those guys, you're now looking at, I think Syndergaard's timeline is now September. Yeah. I'm sure that Severino will be something similar. And so I think those guys are drops at this point. Yeah, I do too. And Carlos Carrasco kind of falls in the same boat. You think he's a drop also? Yeah. You know, I actually, um, I didn't hear what the latest was. I know that he got like the, I think it was a PRP injection for something in his leg and it he doesn't was, sound good, which he is was a throwing, sad. He was throwing off a mound, and now he's not throwing off a mound, which seems like backwards progress. Yeah, I have him in a couple early uh, draft champions leagues, um, and so I was really hoping for them to come back. But at this point, yeah, I think it's best to probably just yeah. let go. I think you're probably looking at like August or something, the way they're talking. And that's just, that's just really tough. What about, uh, I want to ask you about one now that we're talking about it. What do you do with the, in a 15 teamer? I think it's an easy answer, but like a 12 teamer, um, they, they had a, a note today that Jack Flaherty was going to be out. They think he's out to August. Do you, do you still hold someone like that? Say, let's just say it's August 1st, just to use a date. Do you still hold someone uh, like that? Just because how good he is. You still hold him for the next seven weeks for, to hope to get those like two months or at least six weeks out of him at the back end. 
I think, I mean, it's such a cop out, but like it's, it's such a contextual, it is. like depending on your team. Uh, generally, I would, I would probably hold him. That's, that's where I was at too. I have him in a 12 teamer and I just, I just couldn't quite do it. Cause you might, you know, you might get a great six weeks and it's going to, even if you get six weeks of someone else and then hey, it just, it, it seems like, uh, it seems like he's so such a top elite guy that I, I have to hold him a middling guy out till August. I'd probably be dumping him, but one of those top, like, I don't know, we'll use top 15, top 20 pitches, however you want to st- stick flair to whatever box you want to put him in. I mean, I think he's, uh, he's up there enough that I think I got to hold for that. Yeah, it's kind of the old Steven Strasburg conundrum where everybody was like, well, he's going to be injured. He's not going to throw 200 innings, but you're like, man, but those 150 innings are going to be really good. And so I think, you know, as long as you're not like, there's very few situations where I think I would move on. Do you have a, do you have Sixto Sanchez anywhere? I don't, I was actually not in on, 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 uh, on the Sixto love. Um, So I, I got fortunate. I got fortunate there. I finally, finally dropped him. I, I said I'd drop him once he had one setback. I dropped him last week, so he's probably going to be like accelerating his rehab anytime now. But uh, I just uh, I, I told myself one one setback and I have to do it, and I finally I stuck to that word. So we'll see how that one works out. But uh, George Springer could be, be, be in his rehab as soon as Tuesday. It's pretty wild when you think about the fact that the the Toronto is like a top three offense right now and hasn't had more than two games of George Springer. It's it's crazy like how good this offense could be one if he could ever get healthy. Oh man, when he when he was back, just for those two games, yeah, you looked at that balls. lineup, yeah. and you're just like, "What are you supposed to do as a pitcher?" Yeah. You know, like right here, and not even, and so many of the guys put up great at bats as well. Yeah. I mean, you have like Semyon at the top there, even Biggio, like yeah. he can't get a hit, but he he certainly works <laughs> the pitcher. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it's interesting. It's been funny to see their beat writers because every day it's like he ran the bases today. No update on. Yeah. It's like. He's just running the bases, people. It's really it's been a weird situation. Then he came back and you could tell he was hurt. It was really random first that one time. And he's like limping and like looking at his quad and we're like, we, he clearly is not right. And they left him in and then he DH the next day and then back on the aisle. It's just been it's been too bad. I mean, it's, if you drafted him, it's just been a killer. I have him in I have him in the TGFBI, which is the absolute uh, center of all red suitcases. It's just the most unbelievable. My two closers in that league were Trevor Rosenthal and Kirby Yates. So that'll tell you uh, all you need to know right there. Yeah, I have him in the Tower Wars draft and hold. He's just been he was my first offensive pitch after Ugh. or pick after starting Giolito, starting Giolito and Nola. And yeah, it just it's been a bummer. Um, a couple other notes here before we get some players. Ramon Laureano should return this week. It sounds like it's going to be a question whether he goes on a rehab stint or not. So yeah, there's a good a fist pump. I like that. Uh, so it might be the first half of the week. If they don't go rehab, he's going to face some live pitching, do some drills and stuff tomorrow. Uh, they're, they're at home against the Angels, so they're at home. He's going to do some work with the team. So it might be during that series, but I'm guessing it's going to be probably uh, this weekend against the Yankees. Uh, Byron Buxton's traveling with the Twins on this road trip. Uh, they're going to Seattle and Texas. There wasn't really word on when he's going to be activated, but traveling with the team is a is a really good sign. They can kind of activate him anytime. Uh, Lance McCullers, how do you feel about this Astros rotation now? It's going to be, uh, he's rejoined the rotation on Tuesday, but picking back with Odorizzi and they're going to go six man. How do you feel about that? Yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, the, the, the Luis Garcia owner in me uh, is excited that they're not kicking anybody yep. out. It's true. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, Odorizzi, his velo was actually, up a little bit in his last um, in his last outing, uh, some of the skills improved as well. So I'm very interested to see what happens with him. I think a lot of people probably still have McCullers and have, and have kind of held on to him. But Odorizzi was popular in in my mains um, 
this week. So it'll be really interesting. And he's got a really nice two-step next week. I think it's at Baltimore and then at Detroit or at Baltimore yeah. and then versus Detroit or something. Yeah, so. You got you got it right. It's uh, at uh, at Camden at Comerica. So yeah, at Baltimore, Detroit. You're right. Yeah, the six man's tough though. Like you have to have that seven week to seven game week to get a two step. But uh, it, I, I can't believe how good Framber Valdez has been. Like I, I I mean I knew he's a good pitcher, but like I figured that something was wrong and it wasn't gonna be great. And they were like he's gonna miss the season. Now he's gonna come back and he's made three starts and all of them been great. Yeah, I was super into him early in the draft season, so I have him on a few. Oh, nice early draft champions. I drafted him like in the sixties. Like I was very in on him and then I was kind of out. And so it's been a nice little boost to get him back. I mean, really tough outings too. I think, didn't he go against the Red Sox twice? Um, I think, you know, just unbelievable. It's been, it's been fantastic to watch. So let's see him struggle when he goes up against Baltimore or Detroit next week. It's funny because he had two against Boston. The other one's against San Diego. So like the three really good teams and he's given up one earned run in each outing. He only went four the first time. It's two, seven and seven plus against, against the Red Sox. Like it's been, it's been not that the Astros need any help right now. And it kind of annoys me that they get it, but he's been really good. And you know, in a draft champions format, like if you get a hundred and something innings out of him, low hundred innings out of him, I mean, that's not going to kill you. I mean, it, it sucks losing him for the first two months, but if he's like good the rest of the way, like that, that's going to, that's going to be a positive. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's an, especially like given the news, like right, right when um, right. the season started, it's, it's all, it's all gravy from yeah. here. I mean, he was, he was done. Like they were going surgery and he was done. So that's good. But uh, let's talk about a few players from over the weekend uh, before we jump out of here. I want to talk about Shane Bieber first. We kind of touched on him joking around earlier about the, about the spider tack, but uh, five earned runs to get to against Seattle and five and two thirds. He allowed 10 hits, had two walks. Um, is he still 3.28? So it's like we're, we're talking about someone that's still been really good. But you look at his whip, 8.87 last year, 1.05 in 2019 is 1.25 right now. Jumped up today a little bit. Uh, the K rate's down 7%, down to 34%. The walk rate's up a little bit. And then, of course, you saw all the all the, the uh, screenshots on Twitter today about the, the spin rate going way – and it's like way down, like significantly down in, in this start compared to compared to his uh his year to date average so what it's not even like looking at last year we're looking at so far this year comparing that to this start it's been way down so uh where are you at Bieber right now i mean obviously you're starting him every week you're you're not taking him out of the lineup but uh if you were to draft right now is he like still still your third starter or would you, would you jump bump him down somewhere um yeah i mean uh, i would probably bump him a little bit just because like i mean there's been some like Woodruff, for instance, just yeah. stands out to me as a guy who's who's really shown that last year was not a fluke and and continues to be great. The thing about Bieber is it's like you mentioned, everybody's kind of being, I think, critical of him because of what they maybe expected from him. Right. Still got a 3-2 ERA. The whip is high. The walks have increased. I think he's like he he got used to nibbling last year and his stuff has not been as good. One thing I think is interesting, I haven't heard a lot of talk of it. But his velocity is actually down one mile per hour. I think that was a major difference for a guy who doesn't have a good fastball, like command wise he does, but like just from a stuff perspective, like the fact that he was up one mile per hour last year and now he's back to where he was. I think what you have to do is look at that 2019 and just assume that that's probably what you're going to get. Um, you know, maybe even, you know, not that. I think that the challenge too is you look at his BABIP it's really high. He's always had some Babbitt issues. I think it's like 313 for his career, but he had a 500 Babbitt today. Some of the hits were just kind of ridiculous little bloopers. Yeah. Um, he, he also gave up some some bombs uh, yeah, for sure to Kyle Seeger yeah. uh, and, and, 
and Fraley. But so I think, you know, you'll probably see some of those contact issues happen a little bit more. But I think he's such a good pitcher, he'll be able to adjust. Even today, like he seemed like a different pitcher uh, after the fourth inning, those last two innings. I think he struck out four. And so I think he's going to need to figure it out. And like you said, the sticky stuff, like the RPMs were down 300. Yeah. Probably wasn't using it, so his grip wasn't as good on the curve. He left like that 0-2 curve to Seeger for the two-run homer was just like he, I felt like, like he did that zero times last year. Like he never yeah. oh, he got to 0-2 and like the at bat was over. Yeah, and so you know just stuff like that where I think he's gonna figure it out. He's a smart guy. He's always worked worked you know because he's got the great command, and so I think he'll be successful. But we never should have expected him to repeat what he did last year. It just wasn't sustainable from like a strand rate perspective and a Babbitt perspective and, and all that stuff. So uh, I still think he's very good, but you know, um, maybe he's kind of back into the first round type of guy now. Yeah. And for all the, all the problematic people ripping on Twitter, like today was the first day he gave up more than three runs in a game. Like, I, what, I mean, what are we really complaining about too much? I mean, again, he has not been the one sixty area guy, but he didn't get more than three runs in, in a game all year until today. Like, come on, let's just, let's just chill a little bit. And if he goes out and in his next two starts, you know, those, those balls don't fall in. And let's say he like, you know, puts up a whip of 0.75 over two starts with a strikeout per inning. All of a sudden we're talking about a guy with a high twos ERA, you know, a one whip and the most strikeouts in all of baseball, which he has, you know, it's wild that he had that like stretch of, un- it was like, I don't remember, it was 25 with eight strikeouts in a row. And now his last six starts, he has eight more than eight, more than eight strikeouts once. Like it's really weird how it, everything's just kind of falling off the table strikeout wise there. Yeah. His walk rate too. If you look at his rolling walk rate, it's up to like 12% or something like that over his last five games. Like he's not getting chases in the way that he was before. And whether that's like, you know, hitters learning or just the pitches not necessarily being where they need to be. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see, but he hasn't had that. Like, I feel like aces always have that streak of four or five yeah. starts where they just absolutely dominate. He had that a little bit towards the beginning, but not quite. And I feel like he'll have that at some point this year. And, and that'll kind of make the difference between a very good and a great season. Or what Jacob deGrom does every single start for the whole season. I mean, I was thinking a, about like he's at the point where if he gives up one earned run in 18 innings, yeah. his ERA goes up. You know, it's, it's, it's like it's. I, mean, I hope people realize you're watching like historical time of season. Like this is it's unbelievable what he's doing. I just hope he stays healthy because it's just been it's been at, the, the whole more runs driven in than given up thing is just an insane stat in June. It's unbelievable. Uh, Bo Bichette, we talked about uh, Toronto earlier, scoring a bunch of runs. He is leading the majors in runs. He has 56 runs scored already. Sometimes we don't talk about that as a category very much, but it's one of the five categories. He's got 56 runs. I think second is Acuna at 49. The Mark Canna is actually third at four at, at 49. Somewhere it's like right in there. Um, he had a monster. He had a monster day. Uh, four hits, five runs scored, three RBIs. He homered and stole a base. Hard hit rate before today was at 52.7 percent. Barrel rates over almost 12 percent. Uh, strikeouts are up a little bit, but he's a 24% strikeout guy. Like we can deal with that in today's game. Uh, the walk rates up swing strike rate is a little bit up. So maybe the strikeouts will go up a little bit, but I mean, it's just all there. And more than anything, the lineup is insane for, for runs and RBIs. He's, he's, he's at, he's at 13 home runs. He's eight stolen bases. Is he going to be a first rounder next year, a top 10 player next year? What, what do you, if you had to guess his ADP for next year right now, what do you think it would be? Yeah, I would, there's just so much talent at the top. I'd say back into back into the first round. Yeah. I think, He'll be one of those guys who kind of where you have like four or five guys that have a similar profile and it's just yeah. 
whoever your preference is of that player. I think he'll he'll end up going there. But I'm I've been impressed. I haven't been I wasn't huge on him just because the track record was so low. You'll you'll notice a trend in that and yeah. you know some other guys. But um, you know, but yeah, he's been phenomenal and that lineup is just like you mentioned, incredible. Yeah. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun summer in Buffalo with them um, just mashing the ball in there and the ball yes. traveling. It's not it's, even it's not even it's not even warm yet. I know it's it's crazy. Uh, sticking in the AL East, I wanted to ask you about a guy that I have been struggling with so far this year is Jamison Tyon. Um, I loved him in 2018. I think it was when he had that really good season at the 3.2 RA, and I was I was hoping it was going to come around. I know it's a second Tommy John, and uh, results from that are always kind of all over the place. But it's weird you look at him, and the ERA is horrible. It's 5.74, uh, kind of uh, you know accentuated by the fact he didn't get out of the first inning this weekend against the Phillies. He just got smoked on on Saturday against Philadelphia. It's weird that you look at his strikeout rate. It's like twenty five percent, pretty solid. The the walks are up a little bit for him, but seven point three percent. His xERA is three point nine. Like we're talking about a guy that. You know, you look at some of the metrics and you kind of think maybe it could turn around. Strand rate's only 67%, you know, unlucky there. Babbage 317. Home runs have hurt him, but he's got a career-high swinging strike rate. Um, am I crazy to think that there's a little bit of turnaround coming in time, or am I just uh, kind of uh, seeing what I want to see on him? I don't know. because I, I, if, really... if I am, be honest. I can take it. Well, so here I think is the conundrum with Jamison Tyon is the metrics all look really, really good. And one, but his major issue is the home runs. And I think the challenge for him is the reason his skills look so much better than they have previously is because he's no longer throwing the sinker, which doesn't get the swinging strikes, which isn't a strikeout pitch. He's always struggled with in zone contact. Now it's better now because he's throwing the four seed, but now he doesn't have a 50% ground ball rate, right? Yep. He's got a, a 38% ground ball rate. And so his home runs per nine right now is, um, is two. I think it's 2.09. And, but the thing is he's given up 15 barrels and 10 of those have been home runs, which is a fairly reasonable, slightly higher barrel to home run. But also he's in, you know, he's in Yankee stadium, which again, if you're talking about center in the gaps, you know, it's not as bad, but you can get some cheapies in there as well. And so I think that's his challenge is the skills are better because of the pitch mix change, but now he's got this issue with the home runs because of that. And so you're kind of in this situation where he just doesn't have the stuff at this point, I think, especially with the below drop that he's had since he was fully healthy, where he can kind of do both things effectively. And I think that's kind of the challenge that I see with Tyone. So I certainly think there's a little bit of regression to his way. There are very few pitchers that have a 2.09 home run per nine. So there's some regression coming, but whether it's going to be the, the level of regression you need, I'm not quite sure. I don't know if you know the answer to this. Do you know why he switched from the sinker as an injury thing? Is it a Yankees team concept thing? Do you have an idea why he, I mean, he was a, he threw 20% sinkers in 2019. He's thrown it like 15 times all year. Yeah. My guess would be a philosophical difference. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's super smart. Like if you follow him on Twitter, he'll engage a lot and, and talk about kind of his arsenal and things like that. And I think he's a guy who saw, you know, forcing fastball up in the zone. Yeah. You know, that's kind of a recipe that people are having for success. Don't put the ball in play you know, getting away from Ray Searage and the heavy sinker usage in Pittsburgh, you know, but I just, I'm not sure he's got the stuff now, maybe next year, if he's able to have that below tick, get back to where it's been. But I just think it's a, it's a really challenging um, arsenal to be effective with. What do you do with him in leagues? Uh, a 15 team round, you can drop him, but do you throw him this week against the A's? Um, is, it, is it at Oakland? 
or it's home. Uh, it's home. It's, 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 home, it's, it's home. home. Yeah. It, it's home. Um, what I would do is I would look at his splits. I mean, Oakland is a heavy righty lineup, I think. And so I'd kind of take a look at that, do a little bit of analysis. It's tough. Like if you're not going to start him at home against the A's, yeah. like not that the A's are, are bad, but it's right. just like, that's, that's, that's a start you need to have him in there for. So, you know, I, I think it's, I would probably have him in there. I'd, I'd give it another shot. What about a what about a twelve teamer? Do you consider him a drop? Do you consider him a bench and watch for a while? What would you do in an, an online championship kind of thing if you had Tyone? Um, yeah, I think it's maybe bench and watch. He reminds me a lot of Drew Smiley, who okay. I have in a lot of leagues, where I'm just like I never feel good about the start. Did you, did, you, did, you watch sure. his, did you watch his start today? <laughs> I didn't watch it. I'm normally like on my phone, just watching like the little dots on my thing, like going around, you know. So but, he, um, got to, uh, he got to the fifth inning. They were up five nothing, and they scored yeah. two runs with two outs in the fifth. And I was, and someone was warming up, and I was like, "This feels like the worst four and two thirds um, ever." And then he gave up a kind of an end of the bat hit to uh, Aguiar, and then uh, Corey Dickerson gave up a hit a chopper, and uh, I forget who it was at shortstop, but like caught it in his glove and flipped it to first, and it was like bang bang. And I don't know if he was going to face the next wow. batter or not. It was that I think they were leaving him because Dickerson's a lefty. I think it was the last. I think he might have been coming out if there was. I think there was a righty coming up next. I was like, I was like, this is going to be four and two thirds of the five nothing lead. It was going to be brutal. And it ended up being a really good outing, really good line, a really good outing with the win. But it's crazy how like how close some of these things are. It was it was oh. it was, and I, they they almost replayed it. And Mattingly was like, no, we're good. And I was like, oh thank god. <laughs> the margins are so fine. He starts like, so even if it's four and two thirds, you're like, I just want, cause that's what it was. Yeah. I think there was, there was it two was. outs and there maybe was. one run had been scored. Yep. And then it was all yep. those hits in a row. That's yep. the thing is, is it feels like this year there's more situations where guys just get tons of hits in a row. Like Alex Cobb the other night, right? Yep. He's like yep. cruising and then he gives up six hits in one inning and they're all yep. singles and doubles, yep. you know, like, what do you do about that? Right. Yeah, I, I was I was sure we we're getting this fight. Then he threw a wild pitch to score the second run. I was like, here we go. And then Dickerson had a play. I was like, it's funny because like through he in a second he put two guys on. They struck out um, Jazz Aguiar and someone else. He struck out like three and, and Marte. He struck out like the the three best hitters on the team. And then he cruised to the third and fourth. And he's cruising to the fifth. And all of a sudden, two guys on. I was like, oh, here we go. And you know, Starley, Starley Marte never gets out right now. So it's just it was. Uh, that's one of those things. Like if you just went home and looked at the box, you're like, "Oh, Smiley pitched really well. They got a win. That's fantastic." Whereas yeah. I'm like having an ulcer from watching the start. It was terrible. Oh man. Um, what do you do with uh, Isaiah Kiner Falefa right now? This dude is second in the majors in stolen bases. I mean, out of freaking nowhere. I mean, we knew he could steal some bags. Like last year and the year before, he's like, "Oh, we have a catcher that might steal six bases." Like there's value there. But he has 15 stolen bases. He has he has two more stolen bases than Trey Turner. He's only played four more games than Trey. I know Trey missed a couple games, but he's only played four more games. Um, he's hitting 294. He has five home runs somehow, which might be even crazier than the 15 steals. Um, this guy's like a huge fantasy value right now. Uh, are you buying any of this at the moment? I mean, what is there to do other than just to love him? Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, um, I've got him in a few places. I think the thing about him is the, the speed is legit, right? Like last year he stole eight, I think, in the yeah. shortened season. Um, he's increased that where the Rangers have been more aggressive on the base paths. The batting average is going to come down. His BABIP is really high right now. He's not going to continue to hit this many home runs. I think he has six barrels and five home runs, something yeah. like that. But he's just got a great profile. I mean, his play discipline isn't great, but he makes a ton of contact. He puts the ball in play. Hits a lot of grounders, which isn't great for power, but will get you on base, you know, a little bit more than fly balls, especially when you don't hit him too hard. And if he can get to 10 home runs and he gets yeah. to 
25, 30 stolen bases with a 260, 270 batting average and a ton of runs hitting, you know, just at the top of that lineup and getting on base. It's, it's going to be, it's beautiful. I mean, if you own him right now, like yesterday's game, like this is how I felt with the Rangers. It was like, they're playing the Dodgers. Really tough matchups, but man, if they can get on base, they're yeah. going to steal a lot of bases. Because the Dodgers give up a ton of steals. He had three. Uh, he had three steals yesterday, right? Yeah, he had three steals yesterday. Gallo had a steal today, a stolen base yesterday. I was just hoping that Nick Solak could get on base somehow, just to <laughs> steal bases, but it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, I mean, I think the home runs are a little wild. Like he's a two point eight percent barrel right. He's a thirty two percent. He's just not a guy that. But he, you're right. If he can hit five the rest of the way and he goes ten twenty five, like where he was drafted, third base and shortstop eligible. I mean, one of the one of the values of the drafts. It's 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 wild. I didn't think that. I thought he was fine where he was, and you know, he's he's fine to grab him and maybe get ten, you know, ten or twelve steals. But this has been, you know, far far beyond what I ever thought. Absolutely. Another similar kind of guy, um, Adam Frazier. Like, I don't really pay attention to this guy very much, but he's hitting 336. Like, I knew he was kind of getting some hits, but he had two more hits Sunday. He never strikes out. 10.7% strikeout guy. So he just like just kind of walk into those hits, never strikes out. Two only two home runs, four stolen bases. Only he only started one last year. He's never stolen 10 bags. So if he can get to 12 to 14, what do you do with a guy like this? Like, no power a little bit of speed, but he's hitting 336. Like how much do you factor this in? How much can you play him every week? Do you just kind of ride the hot batting edge? What do you do with someone like Adam Frazier leading off for a bad team? Yeah. I mean, for him, it, 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 it all depends on the team. Like I have him on a couple of teams that are actually doing really well in home runs. And so it's nice because they're all doing really bad in batting yeah. average. Yep. Um, and he's been great. I mean, he's playing above his head. I think his batting, his bat up is like, either 400 or 390 or something in his career around like 320. So I think he hits like 280 when all is said and done this season, but he's making a ton of contact. You know, he's getting on base. He is stealing some bases as well. So I think he's kind of fine. He's just one of these guys where hopefully you have some better options and you can kind of mix and match, but he's got the outfield eligibility too. He's a great guy to have on your bench and be able to play in the right situations and not, not a terrible guy to have in there every single week you know at least for the time being until you notice that you're way behind in home runs and then you need to swap them out for some middle infielder that's out there that's hitting home runs this year yeah good luck finding that but um yeah. it's interesting i mean i think that's a key point you make it's really team dynamic like he works great on some teams and other teams divide, even hit 336 doesn't work very well like it's just it really depends on what team you're on but uh you mentioned Aaron nola earlier he pitched really well today against the yankees seven and two thirds three hits no runs nine strikeouts had not been great before today his era was over four and we're in a season where it feels like everybody's era is low because there's been a lot of really good pitching although that seemed to change this weekend there were a lot of high scoring games this weekend but um the k rate bump that we saw in 2020 is gone is back down to 2018 2019 levels he's about 27 percent um the key with Nola, and I think the, the the thing that gets lost a little bit, they mentioned today on the Yankees broadcast, it's not that he just makes every start. He has not missed a turn in the rotation in four years. Like, that is incredible for a pitcher. Like, that does not happen for any pitcher. They said in the last four seasons, he's not missed a turn through the rotation, which amazed me. Uh, ground ball rate's down, though. He's always, like, a 50% ground ball guy. It's down to 41%. He's given up a lot more fly balls. Um, the swing strike rate's still solid, 12, 12.8%. With Nola, ZRA is at, I think it's like 3.8 something right now for the start today. Um, where are you with Nola now? Like he was a, he was kind of one of those second round guys in, in drafts, but he's been a little disappointing. Do you feel like we're going to get one of those stretches you talked about now where like an ace just kind of gets hot for a while? Yeah, you know, I feel like one of Nola, there's a couple challenges with Nola. Number one, just the schedule so far. I don't have it in front of me, but like it feels like he's had a ton of really difficult matchups like not a lot of easy 
uh, easy going. Maybe I'm just uh, making that no, up. I'm, I'm looking right now. He's got, he has an at Colorado. He has two Atlantis. He has an at Toronto. He has a Boston and at Cincinnati. Oh, another and three Atlantis. So yeah, you're right. It's been, it's been a lot of tough offenses in there. Yeah. I mean, the thing with Nola, it's, it's so fascinating to me is like, this is what's beautiful about drafting aces is like Nola is struggling. Everybody's frustrated, but his ERA is like three, seven and yeah. a one, two whip. Right. And he's had this really difficult time. If you look at his pitch mix, actually, it's it's interesting because like all the skills are good enough, right? They're they're kind of traditional Nola. They're not last year's skills. Yeah. But he's actually throwing his sinker um, less, his four seam more, which might help explain why that ground ball rate has gone down. And he's also throwing the change up less because his major change last year was he started throwing um, not only the curve. I think it was the changeup that he just increased um, the usage of. So he's kind of gone away from that a little bit. And I, I wonder why exactly that is. But, you know, yeah, I think once he gets some decent matchups, once they start playing central or whatever is happening that's having him miss right. these kind of nice matchups, I think he's going to be really good. He's going to be a low threes ERA guy, a one one five whip, and he's still striking out, you know, 10 guys per nine. It's fantastic. And the innings, I mean, the volume, he has 85 innings pitched already, yep. I think, before today. Yeah, and at some point, like elite volume is a huge thing right now. I mean, there's a lot of guys. There's yeah. gonna be a lot of guys that I think we're gonna see in July and August. Maybe skip a start or two. Or, you know, we did, Milwaukee talked a lot about adding 100 innings to guys, and we're getting so to the point. Some of those guys we got to think. And like Freddie Peralta had 30 innings last year. Like if they go with 130 on him, like he's got he's like already halfway done with the season. I don't think they'll do it. I think they're in contention. There's no way they can just shut him down. But I mean, at some point, teams are gonna have to start thinking about this as we get closer to the, some of these uh, innings limits that maybe they have in their head somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's volume is, is going to be huge. There are some pitchers that are really going to, going to carry teams because of that. And, and it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it because it'll be something where we'll find out about it. Second half of the season, right? Of course. Like where yeah. that that's where really those guys who can throw the volume will start to carry your team a lot more. Yeah. And I think that's where somewhere Aaron Nolan's going to come in and just be so valuable. We look at the end of the year, just the innings thrown and they're going to be good innings. Maybe not, you know, maybe not Garrett Cole, Jacob DeGrom innings, but so good. And so many of them that he'll be, he'll, I think he's going to earn his, his draft day price by the time we're done. The guy I want to ask you about that I'm having a little trouble with right now is Trevor story. Um, he was a first round pick. He got hurt, but like, let's take the injury out of it. He just hasn't been great. Even when he's been healthy, he's at 242 right now, which Playing, playing half game is cores is like that's really bad. Uh, he does have he only has five home runs. There was like there was a, a stretch in the first three weeks where he had like a bunch of barrels that like didn't go out in home runs. They were expected home runs, they didn't go out. There was a bunch of weird stuff with him, but does have nine stolen bases to kind of save his value a little bit. Uh, K rate and walk rate are still about where they normally are, so good there. But he's not hitting the ball hard. You look at his hard hit rate; it was forty six percent last year or in twenty nineteen, forty five point six percent in twenty eighteen. 35% right now. It was like low 40s last year, like way under his career norms. Bell rates 8.2%. His stat cast page, you know, look at it, just kind of blah. There's nothing that sticks out. It's really impressive. Um, I know he might get traded, but we're going to do a summer of Coors Field right here. What do you think we're going to get some story in these next couple months here? Yeah, I mean, there's there's some positive signs just in the terms of like his home run per fly ball is lower than it's ever been so yeah. far. You know, the BABIP is is low as well, but there's also some concerning pieces. You have the ground ball rate is up a little bit. I mean, it's up a lot from last year, but up a little bit from where it usually is. Um, the exit below, like his max exit below is down for the second consecutive year. So he's not getting that like elite max exit velocity. Um, and the barrel rate has never been amazing. Like he had one season where it was really good, but it's always been around 8%, which is solid. 
but it just makes you wonder a little bit like the combination of the ball with maybe yep. the injury that he had earlier in the year that that's just kind of been a perfect storm for him so far. So certainly I think, you know, with the stolen base power combo that you're likely to get moving forward, I think he should be fine. But, you know, it's that first round value that you're really yep. hoping for that is going to be hard to, it's hard to see. And the thing is you, it, it looks so certain now, but things can change so quickly. Like a month ago, Kyle Tucker was batting 150 and now he's yep. hitting like 260. So who, who knows what lies in store, but there are at least a little bit of concerns there in the batted ball profile yeah this may i'm hoping this looks really dumb in a week when he has seven home games and hits four home runs or something like that but i mean you let's look at he's got 23 rbis and granted that's a, a factor of the fact the other team the other guys in his lineup or that lineup's pretty bad right now i mean it's it's pretty much him and ryan mcmahon and, and blackman and there's like just nothing else there and it's just not a we expect it just to be automatic because it's cores but you still need guys that hit the ball like you still need good players there it's just I, I, I don't, I, it's weird. Cause they, he's kind of killing his trade value right now. And that has to hurt the Rockies. He's a free agent. Like he's kind of killing himself with money right now. It's just, and he's got the elbow injury and you wonder about that throwing from shortstop. There's a lot going on right here that, that, that kind of freaks me out a little bit. And, um, you know, all my first round picks have been bad as it kind of comes out to me. I have a lot of, I have him and Christian Yelich, which is, uh, neither one has been a, a first round value. It's been rough. I just should have skipped the first round and gone to Bo Bichette in the second round. We've been good, but, um, yeah, there's enough here that I'm a little bit worried. I just, I, I watch him play and just not the first couple of weeks, he was hitting the ball hard and just kind of getting him lucky. And I feel like these last like five or six weeks, you know, taking out the injury there. I just, I feel like he's not even doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the one good thing I'll say is that he hasn't, when he struggled a few years ago, he was hitting like 50% fly balls and he was just popping up everything. Yeah. He's at least not doing that, um, which should keep that average at least, you know, reasonably high, but yeah, it's, it's tough, you know, and, and again, it's like you said, hopefully we look bad next week because yeah, I'm hoping. we still, we still have like 55, 60% of the season yep. left to go. And we've seen how a good month or a good two months can carry a guy for a full season. Yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're like, most of have played like 65 games. Means almost, everybody has almost 100 games left. I mean, it's such a long, long season. There's been a lot of things that we're going to say now that, you know, in two months we'll be like, oh, we should have, should have realized that it was going to come around. But uh, there's been enough here that I'm a little bit, uh, I'm a little bit wor more worried than I thought I'd be after I kind of dug in a little deeper on him. Yeah. Uh, last guy I want to ask you about is someone that I seem to struggle trying to figure out where to draft is Chris Paddock. Um, pitched really well today against the Mets, six innings, six hits, uh, no walks, nine strikeouts. So that's, that's really nice that, uh, you know, the walk rate's been up a bit and the K rate was down. So there's, it's good to see him not walk anybody and punch out nine guys, give two earned runs. Overall, though, 4.14 ERA in 58.2 thirds, like 58.2 innings. And, you know, in a year where there's a lot of good ERAs out there, that 4.14 is not really doing a lot for you. Where are you on Paddock? He's a guy that I I struggle to kind of figure out, and I usually end up avoiding him. And I just – it's worked the last couple of years, but I just I – have, I have trouble kind of figuring out who he is as a pitcher. Yeah, you know, I, I did not believe in him his first uh, year, and I had him one place last year um, on a team that I, that, I, that I share. And I don't know. It's just um, – it's – it's challenging to see him being successful with just the two, two pitches that two he pitches, throws. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like, I'm always looking when, 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 when I'm looking for a guy to like change my mind, I'm looking for something to change. Yeah. And in diving into his profile this year, I still just don't see it. Like I see a guy who's heavily Babbitt dependent, you know, on like whether he's successful or not. Um, you know, when he has been successful as a pitcher, like it's when he's had extremely low Babbitts. 
And, you know, he gives up, uh, at least he has been giving up a lot of fly balls. Uh, I haven't checked this year, but like last year I had him and it was just a, a lot of home runs, a lot of harm contact, contact with that four seam up in the zone. And so it's, it's, it's hard to put a finger on it with Paddock, but I think he's maybe just kind of mediocre. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. And a guy who's mediocre, who doesn't walk that many guys is, is fine. And I think that's where he got a little bit off last year was he started walking guys, which, which he hadn't done before. Yeah. And pitches for a good team. And there's, there's some good stuff there, but like, I think that two years ago, we thought this was like the next ace. Like they were, I mean, he was drafted really highly last year and you know, it's interesting. You mentioned, you mentioned the hard contact last year was off the charts. I mean, his hard hit rate was huge. His barrel rate is huge. The barrel rate is still the same. The hard contact is down about 9%, but the barrel rate is still 11%. So when he, when he is giving up some really hard, he's got seven, 10 barrels already this year. I don't know every time I watch him, I just expect a little more. And I think that's just kind of reputation and what he came up as in that first year was so good. Um, you know, someone I think is going to kind of be overdrafted for a while here. Yeah, totally. I mean, a good thing to track is just like, it sounds so basic, but the K minus K minus walk for him, you know, started off at 21% and it was 18% last year. And now it's down to 16.1%, kind of 14% is league average. Yeah. And so, you know, when you hit that spot, you're kind of looking at a league average type of guy without necessarily any anything that's that's dominant. I mean, even his changeup, which is a really good pitch, is not dominant like some guys' changeups are. Like, think about Sandoval, who we talked about earlier. That's a guy who has a dominant pitch. Paddock really just doesn't doesn't have that. Yeah, it's a 29% whiff rate pitch, which is, you know, not a bad pitch, but you see some of these numbers in the 40s and stuff, and the guy with a dominant pitch, and he throws the curveball 10% of the time, kind of shows it, but he's still just really a two-pitch guy. It's, uh, I don't know, one of those guys that I kind of always expect to be better than he is, just kind of never is whenever I, whenever I watch him. Anybody else that uh, you want to talk about? Anything else that's on your mind uh, before we uh, jump out of here? I've always, uh, you know, we always tend to talk long and we have again, but I want to see if there's anybody you want to talk about. No, no, uh, nobody, nobody really to add. I just think like, I think we've talked about a lot of guys, like guys who are struggling or perceptions of guys who are struggling. And really it sounds super basic, but looking at some of those kind of quote unquote luck numbers, to see where people are at, whether it's Babbitt, home run per fly ball for pitchers, things like that, you know, to try to make some of these determinations of where where guys can go. But just appreciate the opportunity to be here. Again, it's um, one of, if not my favorite podcast that's out there in fantasy baseball. So it's a real privilege to be invited on here and um, to talk fantasy baseball with you is always really exciting. I'm really excited to go in person to the NFBC next year in Vegas. Yes. Meet you in person there. Um, missing, missing, missing these last two years in person has been just, it's been tough. I mean, obviously there's a lot of tough stuff going on there, but like it's a weekend that I look forward to every year. And it's funny because people are like, oh, you know, do people talk? I'm like, everybody's so nice and friendly. And like, you kind of had these personalities that you think of either on Twitter or the message boards or crap like that. And everybody's super nice. Everybody's super friendly. People come up to you and introduce themselves. It's just a great atmosphere and great experience. You should definitely, even if you don't, I mean, you play a main event, so you're going to play anyway. But even if you, even if anybody that doesn't play a main event or, you know, it's an expensive league and a lot of people can't afford it. And it's, it's, it's insanely expensive for fantasy baseball. I get that. Um, I was fortunate enough to win early. So like I kind of had been playing house money for many many years and it's just it's been a benefit okay i quit playing football for a while because i didn't do well and i'm like this is a lot of money to play so but even if you don't like come out hang out with friends it's a really good place to meet everybody it's it, everybody's really friendly i end up going to dinner with random people i don't know and end up becoming friends with them two hours later so it's one of those things that you know when you get people have such the same interests and you could talk all of them can talk about baseball for hours it's just uh it ends up being uh it ends up really really fun so definitely de i would say definitely come out for the live drafts you can 
Uh, I look forward, uh, very much look forward to that. But uh, before we get out of here, tell everybody where they can find your work. Um, you know, I listen to your podcast. You did nice things about ours. I do appreciate that. I listen to you guys all the time. One of the few that I listen to. I try not to listen to too many because I don't want to get too much uh, in my head and want to have my own original thoughts and stuff. But I do listen to you guys. You guys have a really good rapport and fun. So tell everybody where they can find you, can hear you, et cetera, follow you on Twitter, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, the best place uh, to reach me on Twitter is at BatFootCrazy. That's where I, I put out most of my content and information. I'll put out the podcast there. The podcast is Batflip uh, Crazy uh, Fantasy Baseball. I do that every Tuesday night with uh, Bubba from the Bench with Bubba podcast. Yeah, that's that's about it. I have a website, batflipcrazy.com, but I don't really keep it updated. So I'll mention it, you know, in a cursory form. But just just tweet tweet at me, follow me. Let's let's have a conversation about about fantasy. Beautiful. I love it. Well, thanks again for joining. I really appreciate it. I'm glad you were able to jump on. Glad to be able to schedule worked out because I, uh, you know, I talked to you a few times, talked to you a lot of time on Twitter, but never had like a full conversation. So it was, uh, it was fun to do. Again, if you want to follow Toby on Twitter, he is at BatFlipCrazy. I am at Scott Jenstead. We are sponsored by WinBet. That's W-Y-N-N Bet. Uh, we do appreciate their sponsorship uh, for the show. If you can please rate and review the podcast. Uh, as I always say, it does help, uh, helps out the podcast a lot. It goes a long way to help people find the podcast, et cetera. So uh, if you do listen to us, enjoy it. Please do leave a bunch of stars where we haven't listened to your podcast and say a nice comment that'd be great other than that uh jeff will be back next week if anybody's missed him uh, you know and they haven't missed me i understand but if anybody missed him uh, he'll be back on next sunday look forward to that other than that hope everybody has a great fantasy week uh, hit us up on twitter with questions anything like that and hope everybody has a good one take care everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.